Hey, what's up, Central? Hey, good seeing you guys. Hey, I'm excited to kick off uh, this brand new series uh, we're calling Encounters. And um, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but this week with the invention of a new app, they also invented Time Warp. And so uh, you can advance into the future now. 40 plus years uh, with a single swipe of the finger. Uh, here's what I mean. Check out this picture here. Uh, there, there I am, right? Check out this next one, though. Boom. Santa Claus, I'm coming for your job. Let's go. Uh, yeah, you can uh, advance to see what you might look like at your 50th wedding anniversary. Check out this next picture of me and my babe. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, the Face app. If you are ever on social media this week, then you've likely encountered some quickly aging people uh, on social media. And uh, while this is disturbing on one hand, it is a painful reminder to me of like the gravity of life. Like, bro, I'm going to look like that one day. Like, what's up with that, right? Um, but, but more important than how old are you today or how old might you look on an app? I think a better question is how alive are you today? How alive are you spiritually? And uh, so if you were to rate yourself, so to speak, on a scale of one to 10, a sliding scale, one being, man, I'm barely hanging on, 10 being I'm thriving in life, where might you land on a spectrum like that on a day like this? Well, that's why I'm excited for this encounter series, because I believe in a single encounter with God can change everything can change everything. And so before we get too far into the message, I want to give a quick shout out, not only to those of you in the room, you're looking good today, by the way. Uh, also want to give a quick shout out to those of you watching online. Thanks so much for being here with us. Let's give it up for them. Thanks for locking in. Thanks for joining us. Well, here's our, our theme verse. Here's our theme verse for this series. This is a good verse maybe to memorize over these next four weeks. It's going to come from Exodus 33, verse 11. It's about a guy by the name of Moses. And here's what it said. Uh, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to a friend. I don't know about you, but my hope for me, my hope for you, is that you would know God, the creator of the universe, in such a personal, such a profound way, such an intimate way, that it could be said of you that, man, Keith would talk to God like a man speaks to a friend. That, that Tim might be able to speak to God like a man speaks to a friend. And, and, and maybe you're here and you're like skeptical of this whole deal and, and maybe you don't even buy into all this Jesus stuff. My question to you would be, if there's a 1% chance that the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who created the fish in the sea, the God who knit you together in your mother's womb, like if, if there's a 1% chance that the God who did all that wants a relationship like this with an individual like you, isn't it worth considering? Isn't it worth considering? And the Bible would make this claim that a face-to-face, very personal relationship with God is not only possible, it's actually des- God desires it. Like to the degree, if you want a relationship with God, much more, exponentially more, God desires that kind of a relationship with you. So here's the reality, according to the Bible, that you can have a face-to-face relationship with God. But whether you will or whether we won't is up to us. Regardless of your past, regardless of your pedigree, regardless of your background, regardless of your current walk of life, that type of relationship is available to you and to me. 
Here's, here's why. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this. Uh, if, if you will seek me and find me, when you seek me with your, your whole heart, like you go after God, God's going to go after you. Second Chronicles 16, 9 says this. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth. Like God is looking throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are, are fully committed to him. Like you go all in with God, like God's going to come after you, right? James 4, 8 says this. You, you come close to God. You try to have an encounter with God. God's going to have an encounter with you. Come close to God. God will come close to you. He's actually desiring that more than we are. And so for this, this series, my hope for this series, that, man, we, more than anything, I recognize a room like this, there's a lot of needs. There's some relational needs. There's some financial needs. There's some career needs. There's some, some needs with life's deepest hurts, habits, and hangups. I get it in a room like this. But more than anything else, more than anything else that you currently need in your life, more than anything else that I believe I currently need in my life, I just need a fresh encounter with God. I need a fresh encounter with God because that encounter will change everything. And you may say, yeah, that's great for Moses. Like Moses could speak face to face with God like a man speaks to a friend. But I don't know if you know this or not, Tim, but I'm not Moses. I get that. I get that. Second Corinthians three sixteen through 18 says this. Uh, whenever, though, they would... Turn their face to God as Moses did. They being the church, you, the church, we, the church, those who believe in Jesus. Whenever we would, would turn our face to God as Moses did, God would remove the veil, he removed the barrier, and there they are. Check this out, face to face. They suddenly recognize that God is a living, personal presence. He's not some far-off deity some, somewhere way out there in the cosmos kind of wiring everything up and letting it go. No, 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 no. He's a very personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, the old constricting regulations, legislations, is recognized as, as obsolete. It's gone. We're free of it, all of us. Nothing between us and God. Our face is shining with the brightness of his face. And so we are transfigured, just like Jesus, just like the Messiah. Uh, our lives gradually becoming brighter and brighter, more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. It's saying, hey, you know what? Just as Moses would meet face to face, that same experience is available to you. And the more that you encounter him, the more you say, God, I need you. And the more on a daily, consistent basis we come to him and say, say God, more than anything else, I just want to encounter you. It might not happen in a moment, but gradually, minute by minute, Moment by moment, become a little brighter, a little bit more like Jesus. Here's why we need a, a fresh encounter with God. If you're taking notes, this is where the notes begin. And this is inside your program. They're also available online. Uh, there's also uh, some talking uh, notes here. This is, you can talk this over over lunch, or you can just go through these on, 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 throughout your daily time with God and help massage the content that we're going to hear uh, into your life personally. But the first is this, and, and kind of here's why. Here's why we need a fresh encounter with God. Here's what I believe. I believe we need power, not just words. We need power, not just words. Like, like we need words, right? Like, like you can't share the gospel unless you use some words. You can't express your gratitude unless you use some words. But more than just words, we, we need power. And, and here's why. Because some of you here today are facing some circumstances, some situations that words just can't fix. Words can't unravel. Words can't unwind the mess. But here's what I do know. God's power can. And so we need power, not just words. In 1 Corinthians 2, 3 through 5, this, this guy named Paul, he, he's a brilliant mind, lover of God. Like he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Like he's, he's a hero, right? So here's what he says. He says, I came to you in weakness 
and fear with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. Like Paul was brilliant. Like he received an elite education. Like he had all the seminary degrees with all the doctorates stacked on top of it. Like he was a brilliant, brilliant mind. But he said, no, 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 no. I'm not coming with a truckload of knowledge, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power. So that your faith might not rest on man's wisdom, but on God's power. I'm going to share a few words today. We've created space at the end of this service for you to encounter God's power in a fresh way. Because more than words, we need a fresh encounter. We need fresh power from God. Second observation, second fill in the blank there, is that we need an encounter, not just an explanation. We need an encounter, not just an explanation. Now, hear me on this. We need an explanation. But I think more than an explanation, we need a fresh encounter with God. We need an explanation. But here's the challenge. My explanation of God will be merely intellectual unless I have an encounter with God that pours power on that explanation. Uh, I love that our students just went to camp, right? They went to camp. Uh, high school students went to camp beginning of summer in June. Uh, middle school camps, uh, students just got back last week. We had kids camp. Uh, camp Central was awesome. Tons of kids this summer experiencing God in a fresh powerful way. I'm excited for next week, and we're going to give the whole service to the students to share about their encounter with God uh, this summer. You guys, you guys ready for that? Ready to hear from some students what God's doing in their life? It'd be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Next week, come back. Don't miss that. Um, but I, I love that because, because I think more than an explanation, we need a, a fresh encounter. I remember when I first started following Jesus, uh, my life is jacked up. I started following God, and, and man, I felt like my life changed. And I wanted to tell my friends, I wanted to tell, tell my family members uh, about this God who is changing my life. And so I went to the pastor, right? And I was like, pastor, you got to help me share my story. Because here's what I know, pastor. I'm going to tell my friend this then he's going to say that, and I don't have an answer. So, like, I need you to give me some answers. Help me to, to do this. He said, he said, Tim, here's what you need to know. You don't have to have all the explanations. Just tell them what Jesus has done for you. I'm like, yeah, that's right. Awesome. So I got this paper, and I got this, some questions. So I'm going to say this. Then he's going to say that, and I still don't have an answer for this. So, like, I need you to give me an answer. He's like, Tim, you're overthinking it. He's like, just tell them what Jesus has done for you. And I left that conversation very frustrated, uh, but very encouraged because I felt on one hand, I was encouraged because I was like, man, I'm fully equipped to share the good news, what Jesus has done in my life with everyone I encounter. Like I am fully equipped to, to be a, a Christian, to be a person who makes disciples, a disciple who makes disciples. And I don't have all the answers, but I can tell them what Jesus has done for me. But I also left frustrated because I was like, don't you want me to go to a class or something? Like, don't I need to like go to seminary before I do? Don't, I, don't you want to meet with me like on a weekly basis until I have no more fear or trepidation about talking about Jesus? Like, don't you want to do that? No, just go tell him what he's done for you. In John 9, there's an interesting story about a, a man who was born blind. And, and this, this guy encounters Jesus and he's healed miraculously. And in this day and age, there's a whole lot of reasons why they assume people were born blind. And, uh, and this guy encounters God, God heals him. And so there's a, a whole lot of questions flying around. There's a whole lot of controversy around Jesus. And this guy becomes the focal point of the questioning. And so these religious leaders, these powerful men of the day come to this guy and they say, hey, tell us, who is this man? What do you have to say about him? 
And they go back and forth and like, ah, is he this? Is he that? Is he, is he? And he's like, you know what? He, he probably would have gone to my pastor and said, pastor, I'm going to say this and they're going to say this. Give me the answer for this. And here's what he said in John 9, verse 25. He says, he says, whether he's a sinner or not, like I don't have all the answers to all your questions, but here's what I do know. I know one thing I do know. I was blind. Now I see. We need an encounter more than an explanation. Because even when you don't have an explanation, no one can trump your encounter. I've never met anyone who had an encounter with God that was at the mercy of a fine-sounding argument. Now, we need to have an explanation. But more than an explanation, I believe we need a fresh encounter. Third observation is this. We need presence, not just practice. We need his presence, not just practice. Now, we need practice, so hear me on that. We need disciplines in our life. But those practices should lead us into his presence. And any time the practices trump his presence, then we got it, we got it backwards. Here's what it says in Romans 8, 11. It says, it stands to reason, doesn't it? That, that if the alive and present God, let's just pause there. Like God is alive and present. He's here. He wants to encounter you in a fresh way. The alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life. He'll do the same thing that, that, that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. And when God lives and breathes in you, that's what he wants to do. He wants to come alive in you, breathe in you, bring fresh air into your life. And he does as surely as he did in Jesus. You are delivered from the dead life. I want that. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ. In other words, God's resurrection power is available to you, to me. Not someday when we die, but right here, right now. He can bring a resurrection into that relationship. He can bring a resurrection into those dreams. He can bring resurrection power into your current circumstance, your current situation. He can bring resurrection power to whatever you're up against today. And so whether you pursue God because you genuinely want to know his presence or whether you pursue God because he can really help you out right in the present situation, my encouragement to you is go after God with all you've got. Have a fresh encounter with him and see how he changes your life. You're like, okay, Tim, well, you inspired the fire out of me. Now what do I do with any of that? Uh, that's where we usually leave you hanging. But not today, not during this series, people. Uh, during this series, we're going to be looking at different encounters that men and women have throughout the Bible and learning from those encounters how we too can have a fresh encounter with God. So today we're going to be looking at this guy by the name of Jacob, Jacob's encounter with God. In seminary, they teach you this principle, this, this mention of first principle is what it's called, first mention principle. There it is, first mention principle. And here's what that simply means, uh, that God indicates in the first mention of a subject the truth with which that subject stands connected in the mind of God. In other words, if none of that made sense, first time things are a big deal to God. And this is the first time in the Bible where we see God meeting with a human face to face. And so I believe that there's some big things that God wants to show you, show me how we can encounter him on a daily basis. So let me set up the story for you with Jacob. So Jacob is uh, one of the patriarchs of our faith, right? So there's Abraham, Isaac, 
in Jacob. Not just a patriarch of the Christian faith, not just a patriarch of this nation called Israel, but a patriarch of of Jewish history, Christian history, and just a big, big deal. If nothing else, on a historical level, big deal. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're looking at Jacob. So Jacob is born from, from, from Isaac. He has a twin brother named Esau. And so they're born at the exact same time, but Esau actually comes first, then Jacob. Uh, they're not identical to twins. As a matter of fact, they're very different. Uh, Esau was like this big burly man, like very hairy, the Bible says, and a great, great hunter, kind of a, a man's man. And well, Jacob, Jacob was kind of the opposite of that. He's kind of a a mama's boy, uh, but very clever, very witty. His name actually means deceiver, and he would deceive his older brother Esau out of like this birthright, out of out of giving the the inheritance from his father. And uh, so, so obviously, there's some internal turmoil within the family structure. Like he he's got uh, sibling rivalry. He's got daddy issues because his dad's like, "You're a deceiver, bro. I don't like you." And so Jacob's like, "Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go find a wife." So he finds this chick named Rachel. And the Bible says that Rachel was, was beautiful in form and figure. And Jacob's like, Rachel, what's up? Let's get married. Right? And so he goes to, to Rachel's dad. He's like, hey, Laban, can I marry your daughter, Rachel? She's smoking hot. And he's like, yes, you can. But you got to work for me for seven years. At which point I'm like, Jacob, seven years. Does it faithfully work seven years in this culture? The, the, the spouse would be veiled throughout the entire ceremony until you get to the, the honeymoon stage. And then there's some, some unveiling that goes on there. Right? So, so the wife is veiled wedding night, honeymoon unveiling takes place. It's her sister. Jacob works seven years to marry Rachel only to have his father-in-law slip in the other sister. He's got issues in his own family. Now he's got big issues with his in-laws, right? So he's like, father-in-law, who I trusted and loved (laughs) up until this point. Why the heck did you do that? Where's Rachel? He's like, oh, you can marry Rachel, but you got to work for me seven more years. Then I'll let you marry Rachel. He does it. Seven more years, marries Rachel. At, At which point, Jacob and his family are being... Uh, blessed, like their, 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 their livestock is flourishing. In our day and age, it'd be like the bank account swelling up, right? He's thriving. He's, he's getting more territory, more people, more, 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 more stuff. To which Rachel's brothers are like, we don't like you. You're cutting into our, our, our wealth and we're going to kill you. So now Jacob, his dad, ha, 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 like kind of writes him off. His brother Esau is trying to hunt him down and kill him. His father-in-law has tricked him into working 14 years unjustly. Now his brother-in-laws are trying to hunt him down. And, And so Jacob does what many of us do. And rather than running to God with our problems, we just run from our problem. And while he's running from his problem, he encounters his brother Esau. And last time he saw Esau, Esau wanted to have his head, wanted to kill him. And so, so he sends messengers ahead of him, and he's like, like hey, go, go fill out my brother. Let him know, send him these goats, send him these sheep, like send him all this, this stuff. Let him know, like, hey, I'm good. You want to be friends with me, right? But he still thinks Esau's going to kill him. And so here's where we pick up our story of Jacob's encounter in Genesis 32. Genesis 32, beginning in verse 24, says this. Uh, so Jacob 
was left alone. This is the night before he encounters Esau. And a man, this word man in the Hebrew language, many commentators believe it's like an angelic being. Some commentators actually believe it was like Jesus incarnate who's wrestling uh, with him. And and the man wrestled with him till, till daybreak. And let's just pause there and say this, just so we're on the same page. Whenever you encounter the divine, whenever you encounter God, oftentimes there's going to be this wrestling match. A wrestling match between God, uh, God, you say you wanted me to do it this way, but I actually feel like doing it this way. God, I know your word says this, but I think I need to do it. I know you want that, but... And there's this like tension, right? There's this, this wrestling match that, that Jacob has with God. And when he saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched. And so like he walks with this limp. And and a matter of fact, uh, Dr. J. Robert Clinton said this, never trust a leader who doesn't walk with a limp. So I don't know if that's why God ripped my Achilles or what, but I'm just saying, (laughs) trustworthy. Anyway, um, so he touches his socket of his hip, right? And I would just pause there and say this in all seriousness. Like we can humble ourselves before God or God will find a way to humble us. God desires your undivided attention. And until he gets it, he, he, he sets us up in scenarios that repeatedly draw us back to him. I'm not saying he causes pain. I'm not saying he, he causes ripped Achilles. But I'm saying sometimes he allows some things to say, okay, God, here I am. What do you want from me? Right? And then the man said to him, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. Now, this word bless is, is a little bit different than what we normally think. Normally we think, like, hook me up with a new house, hook me up with a new car. Like, I'm, I'm blessed because my bank account is looking good or it's, my savings is awesome. Uh, but many commentators say that the word blessed here means internal soul joy. And so Jacob's, like, on the run from all these family members, all these situations surrounding him. And he's like, you know what? My life is jacked up. Like, Jerry Springer holds nothing on what I'm up against. And I love that about the Bible, by the way. I value, we value authenticity because God's word values authenticity. Uh, The patriarchs, the heroes of the faith are like jacked up people. That's good news for a guy like me. That's good news for a group like this because we all got issues, right? But, But he says, you know what? Even though my circumstance, my situation is messed up more than I want you to bless me externally. God, I need, I need you to bless me with internal soul joy. Can you revive what's dead on the inside? And the man asked, what's your name? And so he like kind of squares him up, like, hey, I want to bless you with internal soul joy. But before I do, I need you to acknowledge a few things. What's your name? Jacob, he answered. The man said, your name is no longer Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome Jacob said, well, well, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you want to know my name? The, 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 the guy, the God who he's wrestling with is like, you know what? You, you're wanting me to give you some more information, but I don't want to fill your head with knowledge. I want to give you a heart transformation. I want to do something on the inside that will long outlast that. So he's like, you, you don't even need to know all, all that stuff. You, you, here's what you need to do. Then he blessed him. So Jacob called that place Peniel, saying, it's because I saw God. Here it is, face to face. 
yet my life was spared. He has this encounter with God, and it changes everything for Jacob. And I believe there's some principles in this story that will change everything for you and for me and allow us to have a fresh encounter with God. So three things. I'd encourage you to write these down if you're taking notes. The first is this, new strength. God has new strength. I don't know where you are today, but if you need some new strength, it's available to you in his presence. The encounter with God led to a wrestling match all night. And like as the sun begins to rise, like Jacob finds new strength. And he's like, I'm not going to let you go. I'm going to keep, I got new strength. You better bless me. Jacob got new, new strength. And here's the good news. There's new strength available to you today. I don't know about you, but man, I, I want that. I can't, I can't operate off last week's strength. I can't operate off yesterday's strength. I need new strength in my life. Every moment, every day. And the Bible says it's available. Isaiah 40, 29 through 31 says this. He gives strength to the weary, and he increases the power of the weak. So one thing we get out of the gate is, hey, if we're going to receive strength from God, then, man, we have to posture ourselves and say, you know what, I don't have it all figured out. Like, you can't man up on God and be like, God, I got this. I'll let you know when I need you. It requires us to come into to his presence and say, God, more than anything, I just want you. I got a whole lot of needs in my life. But God, more, more than any of that external stuff, I just want you, I, I need you. Would you give me strength? Even youth grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord, here it is, will find new strength. They'll renew their strength. They will soar on the wings like eagles. I don't know if you've ever seen an eagle soar. It's kind of awesome. Like, these birds are huge, right? Like, huge wingspans. You, you watch an eagle soar, they're like... I mean, they're flying without flapping. It's awesome. And they're just soaring through life. Like, they're like, oh, I'm, I'm going here. No, over here. They're just soaring. It's like, you see other birds, it's like everything they got, right? And so my question to you, like, are you flying or are you flapping? In life today, what would you say? I mean, I'm soaring on wings like eagle. Oh, man, I'm I'm tired. Like, I'm flapping like crazy, and I'm barely keeping my head above water. Uh, eagles, they, they look for these thermal winds, these upward lifting winds to reach soaring altitudes. And, and that's what an encounter with God on a daily basis will do for your life. It's like this thermal wind, this upward lifting wind. And, and so there's still movement. They're still, they're still flying, but they just don't even have to flap. They're, they're still, there's still momentum. They're still, they're still moving forward. But it's not exhausting. Are you flying? Or are you flapping? There's still movement, but it's not exhausting because it's not your strength. They'll run, not grow weary. They'll walk, but they will not faint. New strength. It's available to you today. It's going to be found in his presence. Second observation is this. There's new joy. A new joy. Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Like, I'm not, I'm not leaving your presence until, until I get some internal soul joy. Like, more than anything else, that's what I need today. And listen, if you want joy in your life, it's available to you. It's going to be found in his presence. Psalm 16, 11 says this, You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy. Where is it going to be found? How are we going to be filled with joy? You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Psalm 21, 6, 
For you make him most blessed forever. You make him joyful with gladness. Where? In your presence. Every day you run into his presence. He'll fill you up with new joy, new strength, new hope. He did it for Jacob. He'll do it for you. Fresh encounter. That's what we need. If you want joy, it's waiting for you in his presence. You just need to encounter him. Here's the deal. People will let you down, but there's joy in his presence. Health will fade, but there's joy in his presence. The the markets are going to shift, but here's the deal. There's joy in his presence. The Giants might not win another World Series, but there's joy in his presence. He's got new strength. He's got new joy. Third and final observation is this. He's got a new identity. You You can have a new identity. Genesis 32, 26 but Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you, you bless me. The man said, well, what's your name? What's your name? I wonder if that's the same question God might be asking some of us here. What, what's your name? Not because God is confused about your name, but he wants you to identify your identity. He wants you to say who you really are. He wants you to square yourself up and say, man, this is who I am. And maybe you're like me, and maybe you're like Jacob, and There's some things that we've done that have marked our identity and things that we're not real proud of. Perhaps your identity is unfaithful, a liar, addicted, unworthy, shamed, destructive, dropout, cheater. The labels just keep on rolling. Jacob, he answered. When we go to Genesis 27, we, we learn more about Jacob's identity. And, and Jacob had tricked his father and tricked his brother and, and taken the, this birthright. And we go to Genesis 27, 35 through 36, we read this. This is uh, Isaac, Jacob's father. He says, but, but your brother came deceitfully. The wound from his father was, my son Jacob, you're a, you're a trickster. You're a deceiver. And Jacob carried that label. He's taken away your blessing. Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. The label his brother gave him was, you're a cheater. You're a liar. He took away my birthright and behold, now he's taken away my blessing as well. When you come to Genesis 32, 28, the man said, what's your name? said, your name is no longer Jacob, but Israel. Jacob means deceiver. Israel means he contends with God. He removes his identity of shame and gives him an identity of honor. Because you have struggled with man and with God and you have overcome. I'm just saying when we encounter God, he reminds us of our accurate identity. And for some of you today, the best thing you can do is remove the identity of the past and embrace the identity that your Father in heaven has endowed upon you. Remove the identity of shame and take hold of the identity of honor. Isaiah 43, 18 through 19 says this, but forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. I want to do a new thing. I'm going to do a new thing in you. But if God's going to do a new thing in you, you got to let go of some stuff back here. You got to take hold of some stuff up here. 
Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Do you, do you not see it? Do you not see it? I will make a pathway in the desert, streams in the wasteland, where people said there is no way, there's no hope for him, there's no hope for her, there's no hope for that church, there's no hope for this people. God will make a way. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is a great passage for you to memorize. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. New has come. Old identity's gone. I'm going to live from a, I'm going to let go of the identity of shame. I'm going to take hold of an identity of honor. When condemnation comes your way, when mistakes of your past rear their head, you can say out loud, I'm in Christ and I'm a new creation. The best way to keep from swallowing the lies is to start speaking the truth. Best way to stop swallowing the lies, start speaking some truth. My friend, Hosanna Johnson, she's a great writer, a great, great communicator. She wrote a book that says, I have a new name is the title. Here's what it says. My name is not the name the world calls me. My name is not the name my past calls me. My name is not the name even my own mirror calls me, but my name is the name I answer to. And I can choose today to answer to a new name. When I hear lonely, that's not me. When I hear disgusting, that's not me. When I hear unworthy, I don't even look over my shoulder. When I hear broken, you must have me confused. Please look elsewhere. When you stop answering to the old names, they stop having power over you. The name that my father, eternity's author, the world's creator has called me is the only name that I answer to. When I hear friend of God, that's my name. When I hear God's workmanship, that's my name. When I hear chosen, that's my name. Loved, wanted, cherished, created with purpose, that's my name. God's temple, that's my name. God's messenger, that's my name. Free, that's my name. Child of God, you must be looking for me. Greatly loved, you must be calling me. Brand new, that's my name. That's the name I choose to respond to. The enemy has no power here. Perfect love cast out all fear. And perfect love has named you and has named me. As for me, my name is forgiven. My name is free. My name is brand new. Wanted, loved, child of God, created with purpose. That's my name. And it's been a pleasure to meet you. New strength is waiting for you in his presence. New joy is waiting for you in his presence. A new identity is waiting for you in his presence. Imagine if we stopped responding to the old names and we embraced our new name. Imagine if we started leaving the life of shame and embraced a name of honor. The only way to stop swallowing the lies is to start speaking the truth. Then how might you do that this week? He's given you a new name. 
He's given me a new name. Let's live from our accurate identity. Let's pray. Well, Father, we just say thanks because we recognize in Christ we can have a new name, a new reality, a new hope, a new future. Our past no longer defines us, but God, we want to let go of some things behind us. We can take hold of some things that you have ahead of us. Would you give us strength to do that? Would you give us courage, God, to be honest, to square ourselves up and say, this is who I am. But God, that's not who I'm going to be. I'm going to make some changes. I'm going to take hold of new strength, new joy, a new identity today. Because if you did it for Jacob, you can do it for me. God, may you help us. May you, you set people in this room free today for some chains that have been binding them. God, may you do what only you can do. God, more than anything else, we just recognize in this moment, we want a fresh encounter with you. So God, would you meet with us? Because a fresh encounter with you, God, we just believe it's going to change everything.